This week's John Tapp Racing Podcast is brought to you by Inglis, number one in its field. The first glimpse of Sydney must have been an imposing sight for the little girl from Oxford who arrived here on a working holiday in December 2013 with an obsessive love for horses and a head full of dreams. Rachel King had been around horses from an early age and had competed as an amateur jockey on the flat and over the jumps, winning a total of 27 races. A few days after arriving, she marched into Leilani Lodge and landed a job as a track work rider for James and Anthony Cummings. She was so smitten with Sydney racing that she decided to return to England, put her affairs in order and get back here as quickly as she could to take up employment with the Waterhouse Stable. Fast forward four and a half years. Rachel has ridden over 200 winners, champion Sydney apprentice in the season just ended and last Saturday week she won her first Group 1 on Maid of Heaven in the Spring Champion Stakes. Of course, there were twists and turns along the way, and I'd like to find out what they were. Rachel King is online to talk to us. Thanks for your time, Rachel. No problem at all. Looking forward to it. Hey, congratulations on entering the Group One Club. Thank you very much. It's a very, um, very special thing to do, and definitely um, one that I'll you know cherish forever. At what point did you sense victory in that race? Um, like I didn't want to be too confident, so probably once I got past the line, but uh, I, the horse definitely gave me a very good feeling sort of from the, the furlong marker. Um, I was quite confident we were you know, going to get there, and then the second horse gave a very good kick at the, probably the 100 and, and did put a little bit of a scare there, but um, it was a great feeling once I you know, got, that, got my head in front um, on the line. You got to know Mark Newnham, who trains Made of Heaven, when he was working for the Waterhouse Stable. Yes, um, Mark was there when I when I first started and was a huge help to me um, along the way. You know, he helped sort of when I wanted to get my license and helped me when I wanted to start, you know, barrier trials and things like that and pointed me in the right direction um, when I wanted to start riding. So I sort of didn't really, you know, know um, the system as well over here. So... He, you know, pointed me in the right direction of where to go when I wanted to start riding in the country and things like that. And he was a huge help the whole way through. Let's go back to the very beginning, Rachel. You grew up in Oxford, about 10 minutes from that world-famous university. You've got two older brothers who are not involved in racing, but I believe one of them would like to be. Yes. Um, um, like you said, grew up in Oxford and... Um, both brothers have always, you know, been very supportive the whole way through. Um, like you said, one of them is a big sort of form nut. You know, he's um, should be he should be involved in racing really, and I think he probably will do one day. Um, something to do with either bloodstock or or something to do with sort of the form and things of horses. But um, uh, like I've got a very you know great family behind me who have been very supportive the whole time, especially with me you know, moving over to Australia. And one of them is actually coming over very shortly um, to spend a bit of time here. So that'll be great to have, you know, someone in the family here and close by. Mm. Your mum and dad, Chris and Rebecca, are horsey people. Your dad, in fact, rode over the jumps as an amateur. Yes, yeah. The dad was sort of the one who got me into it and got me going and um, 
always you know was the one sort of taking me around um on my ponies and things when i was young and off to shows going show jumping um and you know got me going into racing definitely you know that's why i sort of started over the jumps um because that's what dad always did so it was something i was very passionate about when i was younger the jumps racing and i i really enjoyed it and i had great fun doing it and it was definitely um a very good grounding you know it, it, it taught me a lot um just about general sort of horsemanship more than anything. Mum liked being around the horses too. She'd help out around the stables and every now and again she'd jump on a pony. Yeah, no, Mum was um, very much involved as well. You know, she obviously had we – Dad would sort of normally take me off to the shows at the weekend and Mum would be doing sort of sport or something with um, one of my brothers. But um, Mum's still, still very heavily involved in it at home with Dad and, um, yeah, used to have her own horse that she would sort of ride every now and then. Some of your fondest memories are of those fun-filled days hunting with your dad. You often went out on the fox hunt together. Yes, yeah, through the winter, Dad and I used to go every Saturday. Um, it was something, you know, we, we spent a lot of time doing and it was it was uh, very enjoyable. And, again, it was something that's probably helped my riding, um, you know, spending all day sort of on the horse and, you're crossing different terrain and things and it definitely is all you're always learning you know um it's it's a fantastic um sort of grounding for for you for kids growing up i think you know it's very popular in england um a lot of kids go hunting and it definitely um definitely helps with the riding a couple of surprising facts about your association with gay waterhouse you went to work for gay when you came back to sydney the second time and for 12 months, you didn't look like riding in a race. You did nothing but those menial stable chores for, for a year, maybe a little more. Yes, yeah. Like I, it, um, I just sort of had to obviously work out, you know, with visa-wise and things like that, sort of how long um, I could stay. And I, wanted, I, I was always keen to get my apprenticeship, but it probably wasn't the end of the world um, having that bit of time because I got to know the Australian racing a lot better in that time. Well, the gay wasn't that keen on me riding um, to start with. You know, she sort of was trying to push me into a bit more of a admin sort of role, um, which I, I had a little bit of experience um, in that role back in England. So that's why she was trying to push me that way. And mm. but look, I, I was pretty determined. I wanted to give it a go and, and um, you know, make a go of it over here at, with the riding so I, I just kept pushing and yeah like I said yeah after about 12 months or so then I finally got my license. When she could see how serious you were about race riding she did make trial rides available for you to get your ticket. Yes yeah no she was very very supportive in that sort of way and made sure I you know got got um got my license fairly quickly um then you know she was was good in the way she guided me very much um about how to sort of work through the system, you know, going to the sort of the country meetings first and, and riding out my claim there before progressing to the provincials. So I didn't ride a lot for gay probably the first three, six months or so I was riding um, just because mainly I was going to all these country meetings and obviously gay doesn't have runners there. And But then she started to, you know, put me on a few when I um, started riding at the provincial meetings a bit more and she gave me good support there. Mm. You obviously bought a car early in the piece, Rachel, because you had to get yourself to some of these country meetings. You wouldn't even know where you were going in those days. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite a lot of travelling. Um, 
definitely it's a lot more than, than England. You sort of you think you're going a long way in England if you've got to go more than an hour and here that's that's a local meeting. <laughs> so it was very different. Um mm. took a bit of getting used to, obviously the long days and long drives, but it, it was worth it. Your very first offer of a race ride came from Mark Schmetzer, a Musselbrook trainer. And uh, that was on the 12th of March 2015. It was at Tamworth, and you rode a gelding called Run Cannon Run, a winner. Yes, yeah, and it was, it was fantastic to kick it off with a winner. And, um, you know, it just it, it makes it um, that little bit easier to probably get that kick along that you sort of need to start with because it just makes people notice straight away. So like, I was very lucky um, in that way that I, that I could ride that winner on my, on my first ride in, in Australia. I'll get you to stand by there, Rachel. We're going to pause for a quick break on our podcast interview. Back in a moment. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. My special guest is Rachel King who uh, won her first Group 1 race uh, by scoring in the Spring Champion Stakes at Randwick on October the 6th. Rachel, you hold a gelding called Ray Jins, very near and dear to your heart. Trained by Jared Austin, you won two straight on the horse at Kembla and Newcastle a couple of years back. You were absolutely desperate to ride him at a Canterbury night meeting, but you didn't think Gay would let you take that ride. Yes, like I, Gay was um, being quite strict in sort of which which meetings I did ride at, and but making sure I was sort of out riding my provincial claim before going to the city, and making sure I wasn't going there too quickly. Um, so I had asked a few times before about a few city meetings, but it had been a no so far. And then I asked about this horse, and obviously explained, you know, I'd had a good association with him already, and, and I thought he was a very good chance as well um, on that Friday night, and. Look, she she said yes, and that was my my first um, meeting in town. So and it was a successful one. I had I ended up actually picking up another ride as well. Um, it's a pretty smart horse um, in her time. So she actually was my first ride, and Raisins was my second, and they both won. So it couldn't have started any better. A flying start. Now, it's not that long ago. I think the date was the twenty fifth of November two thousand and sixteen. Did in her time feel like a future Everest runner that night? Um, look, she she did give me a very very good feeling. Um, I hadn't ridden many, you know, really sort of good horses in a race. Obviously, I'd ridden a lot of Gay's nice horses track work, um, but to me, I was probably I was probably learning, you know, that time um, what a really sort of good horse feels like. But look, she she definitely made made my job easy um and she was she's a beautiful horse to ride she you know obviously has gone on to a lot bigger and better things now well gay relented and let you ride at that night meeting and you were probably hoping she'd relax the rules a bit after that but she didn't and it was back no. to the provincials yes that was it yeah no she she I, I was still allowed to um sort of start going on on a wednesday um and and a couple of the friday night meetings in the city, but she was definitely very strict on sort of which horses I rode. Like I wasn't allowed to sort of go and ride, you know, 
50 to 1 sort of outsiders because she said, you know, you've got to protect your strike rate in town and make sure you're going there for the best chances. So I concentrated still on the provincials um, and sort of working through my claim there. Mm. So it wasn't until your allowance completely disappeared that she finally relented. Yes, yeah. No, when it when it went, um, I was allowed to then start going to the city meetings on a Saturday as well. So um, I'd built up a little bit of a sort of base, being able to go to the midweek meetings. So that had helped. Um, hmm. But it it was a good feeling to be able to start going to those city meetings on a Saturday. All jockeys remember the horses who kick-started their careers, and you've got a very soft spot for memes. Uh, she's a mare you won't forget. Trained by Jason Coyle, you won six races on memes, and four of them, Rachel, as you'd be aware, were at Randwick. Yes, yeah, she was a fantastic little horse for me. Um, she sort of came along definitely at the right time, and she was like, as you can say with the, with the statistics, she was um, ultra consistent. She always run well no matter what. And um, she just was a real little trier and uh, really one of those horses you sort of wish for um, when you first start going into the city because she would run every two weeks, you know, always be there, always show up, and she'd always be in the first two. So she was a fantastic horse and, and really helped me along the way. Sedanza has been a very good mare to you. You won a very early race on her at Newcastle, followed by a hat trick in the city. Yes, yeah, she was very special to me. Um, I remember the day I got to ride her at Newcastle, and I, I sort of had had, you know, I was getting a few rides for Gay, but um, she was probably the sort of first, you know, good horse, I'd say, that I was able to ride for Gay. Um, and she she won very well that day, and then I was, you know, lucky enough to get back on her again. And, um, Horses like that, again, you know, they, they put you in the public eye and it, it makes people sort of notice, so she definitely, definitely helped me. Before you left England, you were very aware of the presence of Godolphin and that made it a special thrill for you here in Australia when you were able to win a race at Scone during the big carnival in the royal blue colours and you got to ride Osborne Bulls, a place getter in the Everest. Yes, that was very special. Um, like I said, Godolphin were uh, such a, a dominance in Europe and I've grown up, you know, watching them and you always sort of, you you know, wish for the day you can ride in, in the Royal Blue. And when I sort of first started riding for James a bit over here, that was just a huge fill in itself. And, you know, that was sort of just midweek meetings. And then to get the opportunity to ride a horse like Osborne Bulls was, was very special and to win a stakes race on him you know, off at Scone was definitely a day I'll never forget and it, it probably meant a lot more to um, you know my family and friends back home as well because it's sort of something they could really relate to, uh, riding a winner for a big team like that. You would have been watching the Everest closely from the lady jockey's room at Randwick on Saturday and like most people, you would have been wondering what Tommy Berry was up to allowing Osborne Bulls to go to the extreme outside section of the track. But looking at it now, there's little doubt that Tom's decision earned that horse $1.2 million in third prize money because once he got out there on the better ground, he took off. Yeah, look, it was a it was a, a brave move by the team, but they'd they'd been out and walked the track and were very confident that that was sort of the place to be, and it paid off definitely. You know, he's he is a very good horse, but to to get a third placing in a race like that was was a huge effort from everyone, um, and it, it definitely pulled off. So it was brave, but it worked. <laughs> 
You got a big kick to win the Premier's Cup at Rose Hill on a horse called DIC. A New Zealander, Gay had had the horse for a long time, Rachel, and hadn't been able to win a race with him. She put you on in this listed race, the Premier's Cup. Up you bobbed at $41. I think she had another one in the race at a much shorter quote. Yes, yeah. It was um, it's probably, you know, you wouldn't think of it as sort of one of your biggest wins as such, but it, it was a stakes race and it, it was very special. Um, winning on those kind of horses is always a good feeling and, and Gay loves it as well, that, that sort of thing. You know, she, she was very excited about it, so it was really good to just get it done for the whole team because everyone worked so hard on this horse. And it was... Um, like I said, it was good to get that win. I don't think he won another race, but at least we got that one. Yeah. Another race you would have been watching on the, the monitor in the lady jockey's room at Randwick was the Star Mile, which was won by a horse called Stampede, and what a good-looking son of a gun he is. He bolted yeah. on Saturday. You won the Wagga Cup on him for the Waterhouse Stable. Yes, that was a, a very, very special day and my first stakes winner. Like I said, he, he's a beautiful horse and um, I was very lucky that Gay put me on that day. It was the first time I'd actually been to Wagga, so it was it was a good day and I've got definitely very fond memories of Wagga. Um, it, it was great to get that first stakes winner. And it was probably the first time you'd sampled one of the major New South Wales country meetings. Uh, they literally go berserk don't they in the big regional centres on their cup day yes like I obviously like you said I didn't hadn't really experienced it before and I remember going down my partner Blake Spriggs was riding as well and um he was sort of telling me about it before we went and you know saying how big it was and you don't really realize until you get that and then you sort of get to soak up the atmosphere and it's fantastic how the the country towns they all, all get behind their you know local cup days and We'll have a really good day out. It's really nice to see. You won a couple of races at Rose Hill on supply and demand for the Waterhouse stable. Yes, yeah, he was a great little horse. Um, again, one of those ones that you know keeps you in the in the public eye and keeps your name in the paper. Um, he was super consistent, and he was only a small little horse, but he used to try so hard. He, he had a bit, very big heart. Lanciato was one of your favourites from the Mark Newnan stable. Uh, prior to the Spring Champion Stakes win, Lanciato had been your most important winner in a Group 3, the Newcastle Newmarket. Gosh, he stormed home that day, Rachel. He looked a 50 to 1 chance on the home turn. Yeah, he um, he gives a few people a few sort of heart palpitations in here when he races, but hmm. look, he. he doesn't give you that sort of feeling when you're on him. He fills you full of confidence and everyone always used to say to me, oh, did, did you think you were going to win? But And it sounds confident, but, you know, I always did. And he, he's he got that amazing turn of foot and he's got his way of racing when you've just got to kind of let him do his own thing um, early on in the run. But he just gets back and gets comfortable. But if you can get him into that nice rhythm and, and everything just sort of goes to plan, then he's got a very – unbelievable turn of foot for over the last 400 metres and uh, I'd never really ridden a horse you know like that that had that sort of turn of foot before riding him and mm. it's um it was a very good feeling the first time I rode him. How did you assess his Epsom run were you disappointed? Um look, I guess a little bit um but I think it's just sort of confirmed our thoughts where we, we were unsure whether the mile was really going to suit him um, especially a strong Randwick mile. Um, you know, I 
know that a lot of people always say you need a sort of 2,000 meter horse almost to, to run that mile out strongly and I think he's definitely a lot more effective over the sort of 12 and 1400 meters and he he still ran to the line okay but because of the, the, there was a strong tempo as well and the mile you know he just doesn't quite show that same turn of foot at the end and like, he didn't disgrace himself by any means but he's definitely um, a lot more effective over the shorter distances yeah so he he really does look a, a real possibility of picking up a, a, a group race at least a group two in the future doesn't he Yes, definitely. Look, I think he's going to go down to Melbourne um, on Derby Day and there's a 1,200-metre race down there and that should suit him perfectly because they'll go along at a good speed and and then, you know, he can show that good turn of foot he's got and hopefully he'll be flashing home. Any possibility of you going to Melbourne to ride him? Yes, I'm going down to ride him. Um, I don't think I would um, – yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to let Mark <laughs> take him anywhere without me now. Wherever he goes, I'll be going. Yeah. So Mark's been, Mark's been fantastic about sticking by me, though, and, and um, keeping me on the horse. So um, it's a really good association to have. Well, Rachel, this will be another first for you to ride down the straight 1200 at Flemington, a very famous course. Mm, yes, it'll be very special. Uh, it'll be a little bit like – riding back in England, um, going down the straight courses. So mm-hmm. it's I'm really looking forward to it. I, I went down to Flemington Road um, on Oaks Day last year in the Greys race. So I have been down there once and had one ride, um, but it'll, it'll be fantastic to, to ride in a stakes race down there. Despite riding with no allowance for the last few months of the 17-18 season, you still won the Sydney Apprentice Jockeys Premiership. That is no mean feat. <laughs> yeah, it got a bit of hard work at the end, um, but I was I was very lucky. I had a lot of good support um, from good trainers and owners, and the whole way through. And I was like, I was very lucky when I lost my claim. You know, everyone sort of kept supporting me. That's where it really helped. You know, people didn't drop off and and stop using me just because my claim had gone. Um, so it was a big relief to get get it done. You'd run second to Andrew Atkins the previous season in the Apprentices Premiership. And you missed quite a few months of that season. Uh, yes, that was sort of the first season I was starting to ride in the city. So I, um, like I said before, I was I was just at the midweek meetings, um, probably sort of the first half of the season, and then started to go on a Saturday. So I definitely, um, I'd given them a little bit of a head start, but it was it was good, very good to you know get sort of close and run second um but that probably made me more determined to make sure i won it the next year weight is absolutely no problem with rachel king what is the very lightest you could ride with notice oh i could do bottom weight i think it's what 47 or 48 kilos in the in the cox bait i could do do that no problem um yeah like I, i walk around sort of 49 kilos um but that's sort of eating what I like and, and, you know, living a very normal life. So I'm very, very lucky in that way. Um, I definitely don't envy some of the boys when I see them on race day and they're, you know, struggling and, and not eating and drinking. It's um, not a not an easy way to do it, but um, I admire them for doing it. But I'm, I'm definitely very lucky that I don't have to. You're riding work six days a week, mostly at Randwick, but you do try to have a presence at Warwick Farm at least a couple of days a week. Yes, yeah, I get out to work farm a couple of days a week. Um, mainly sort of going around and work for for Godolphin out there for James and try and spread myself around as many trainers as possible. There's a lot of trainers out there that have given me a lot of support, so um, it's 
during my apprenticeship, I wasn't able to ride um, outside work. I had to just be at Renwick every day. So it's mm. now I've finished that. It's um, good to sort of repay those people and, and put a few hours in for them. You know, nerves don't seem to be a problem to you at all. Are you as laid back as you appear to be? <laughs> yeah, um, yes, <laughs> I think so. I think mm. I am, yeah. No, look, I, I, um, I've sort of never really been a nervous kind of type of person. I get excited. You know, big races, I definitely get excited. Um, but I've, I guess I've always sort of been taught, you know, that nerves can definitely have a negative effect um, when you're riding, just on the horse and, they're such they're very sensitive animals and they can definitely sense it when you do get a bit nervous. So try and just stay as relaxed as possible and you know, not let it affect me. You know, you, your style has become easily identifiable uh, because of your straight back. Uh, you have a seat on a horse that is very, very neat and very identifiable and something that must throw back to those early days in England. Uh, yes, yeah, no, look, I think um, all the sort of pony club and things like that that I did, you know, definitely helped in, in that way and um, that's one thing Dad was very adamant about was, you know, you, you learn to ride properly sort of, and be a horseman before race riding. Um, I think it's very important to have that, that background and it, it, it always helps, you know, even in any aspect of sort of race riding just to have that that bit of background behind you and the fact that you've learnt to do everything properly and um, yeah, it's something I, I try and work quite hard on and I think there's always improvement there and I keep trying to get better and better every day. Of the jockeys here in Sydney and it is possibly the strongest pool of riders in Australia, do you have a special favourite, a special inspiration? Um, look, I've, probably all of the jockeys in the, in the sort of Sydney jockeys room are, are very... Um, inspirational and you know you can look up to any of them i really admire the likes of, sort of kieran mcavoy and hugh bowman obviously the, the big guys um they're you know very special to watch and um they're also they're very helpful you know they'll all help you out and um any questions you have they're always happy to help and and guide you along the way so it's a it's a good place to be and, and learning are you happy to take it as it comes or do you have one or two special ambitions um, sort of take it as it comes, I guess. Um, I got it was I was keen to obviously get that first of the stakes race out of the way. And to be honest, I wasn't really thinking about um, you know, riding a sort of obviously I wanted to ride a Group One winner, but it kind of hadn't really popped into my head that it would happen anytime soon. So I'm very lucky that that's happened already. Um, but I'm yeah, quite happy to just sort of take it as it comes and just keep improving. That's um, that's probably my main aim and just try to um, keep bettering myself. Rachel, I've watched the replay of the Spring Champion Stakes several times and I've got to tell you, you looked very, very strong on that filly over the last 100 metres or so and you even switched the whip from the left to the right when she started to, to lay in a little bit. That could have been a winning move too. Yeah, well, I hope so and thank you. <laughs> um, I was sort of, I guess I... I'd I felt like I was sort of getting a little bit desperate in that race. I did, you know, I got that feeling of, oh, geez, I might win my first group one. But um, I tried to stay as, as sort of balanced and composed as possible and just try and help the horse. And um, it's something, you know, you always see a lot of the top jockeys do is you switch their whip over. You know, your horse can sort of start getting a bit tired on one side. And if you just switch it over, it just changes it up that little bit. Um, and they might just find that extra half a length. And I, I think it definitely helped her that day. Well, the world is your oyster, young lady. 
Congratulations on all you've achieved in such a short time. Congratulations going ahead, uh, or good luck going ahead. Uh, I'm sure uh, it's just going to happen for you, Rachel. You're light, you're strong, you're keen, and you love horses, and that's the most important uh, component that any jockey can have in their makeup. Thank you very much, and yeah, I hope you're right. (laughs) And thanks for being with us on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. That was Rachel King, and this podcast has been produced by Supernova Sound. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. 